Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Well, today, because this month has been so jam-packed with so many things, today what we're going to do is you guys are going to sit there and I'm going to eat my lunch. And that'll be, that'll be the service. So I hope you guys aren't hungry because... No, really? Okay. Okay. So what we're going to do here uh, today is that, well, obviously last week was, last Sunday was Easter. And at Easter time, we celebrated the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And at that point, when Jesus was crucified, would have been the time of the Jewish Passover. And actually, Jesus' Last Supper would have been the Passover meal, what they would call the cedar. And so, um, Passover is this very old tradition. It would have been implemented more than a thousand years before Jesus. Now, I know that's a hard concept to grasp, but it was... 1,000, 1,500 years before Jesus was born that this tradition was started and this was given to the Jewish people. And so they had been doing this for well over 1,000 years before Jesus was born. And when you start to look at this meal that they were supposed to have every year, something very interesting happens you start to see Jesus in the Passover. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to go through a very simple version of the Passover here this morning. Um, And I'm going to explain some different things. And as we go through it, we're going to talk about how we can see Jesus in the Passover that was started well over a thousand years before Jesus and was practice at the time of his crucifixion. Are you ready for this? All right, first thing, first thing is I need a uh, woman volunteer to come up and light this candle for me. It is tradition that we would light this candle, that a woman would come and light this candle to begin the Passover. Come on up, come on up. This is when we find out if you're a smoker or not. That's, that's the whole point of this. <laughs> You're passing the test. But you are making this awkward, so. Perfect! Yay! Thank you, thank you. Listen, if you're a smoker, there's no judgment. I'm just... I get up here and I get awkward, so I say stupid things. So, um... Now, one of the fun things, one of the fun things is as we open the Passover meal is the first thing is a woman comes and lights a candle. And we actually start to see Jesus even in that. Because the Bible talks about, the New Testament talks about Jesus being the light of the world. And that a woman is given the place of honor to begin the meal. In a patriarchal society, so in in basic Jewish practice, really it was the men at at the head of the family and then women underneath that. For a woman to come first and start the meal, 
is something that we see in Jesus' ministry where he gave special attention to women and to children. And actually, when Jesus rose from the dead, who was the first person to hear about it? A woman. And so even in this start, we start to see the ministry of Jesus a thousand years before Jesus even had his ministry. Well, we would read this blessing. We would light the candle, and then we would read this blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has set us apart by his word, and in whose name we light the festival of lights. And then, we would have one, we would pour one of four cups of wine. Now, I'm a good Wesleyan boy, and so it's... Welches all the way. And there are four cups of, of juice or wine that are presented, and that's based on Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, which says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people. Those four phrases give us the four cups. And so this one represents, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And it's known as the cup of sanctification, or being set apart, being made holy. And we would lift up the cup and say, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe who creates the fruit of the vine. And then, the leader of the meal would wash his hands. Now, that may seem insignificant, but if you remember the Last Supper, what did Jesus do with his disciples? Not only did Jesus wash his hands, not only did he wash his disciples' hands, he washed their feet. And so we see that even present in this small act, that Jesus had this meal, and then he takes it a step further. Well, then we go to this, parsley. And this parsley represents life, the life that God gives us. And I've got a little bowl of salt water here. And this represents the tears of the Israelites who were in slavery in Egypt. And so we dip this in, and we say, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the earth. And then I have to eat it. I don't recommend eating the Israelites' tears. (laughs) I took way too much parsley. Way too much. Then we move on to something called the Haggadah, is where we celebrate and we remember why we have Passover. And it is really to remember how God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and we review the story by asking four questions. Now, typically these four questions are read by a child, um, but all our kids are downstairs. Uh, So I'm going to read it, also because most of you are thinking, boy, we've got a child as a pastor. Um, And a child would come and they would read these four questions. They would say, on all nights we eat bread, or 
matzah. On this night, we only eat matzah, or unleavened bread, bread made without yeast. On all other nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables, but on this night, why do we eat only bitter herbs? On all other nights, we do not dip our vegetables. On this night, why do we dip them twice? And on all other nights, we eat sitting or reclining. On this night, why do we only eat reclining? To answer question one, on Passover, we eat only matzah. Can we see a picture of... We eat only matzah, or unleavened, unused bread. Um, Because the Israelites did not have time for their bread dough to rise when they left Egypt. Yeast is also a metaphor for, or illustration of sin, that it infests our lives and it works through our lives and it puffs us up, fills us with big heads and pride, air pockets, pockets of emptiness. And so by getting rid of the yeast at Passover time, it is a reminder that we need to get rid of all traces of sin in our lives. And at this point, the leader of the meal would take three pieces of bread. And he'd have a little bag or rag or something. And he'd put these three pieces in. But that middle piece he would actually take and he would break in half. Put one half in there. And he'd just stick this in a little bag and stick this over here. But this middle piece that he broke in half he would take and he would hide. Now everybody close their eyes. Mark, close your eyes. Alright, you can open them. And so they take that bread and they would hide it. And later on the kids would have to go looking for that one piece of bread. Now this is really a really interesting aspect of uh, the Passover because the bread, um, we take three pieces of it and take the middle piece. And if you look at this, the, the bread, nope, back up. The bread is actually, has stripes in it and holes. And what we see in this is actually that the three pieces of bread taken aside represent God. And we know God to be God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the second person of the Trinity is Jesus the Son. And we've taken part of that, and we've taken it, and we've hidden it in a tomb. And if you look at this, even the Old Testament talks about the Messiah being whipped and pierced, stripped, striped, and pierced. And you see that you see the stripes, and you see the holes, like Jesus being whipped by the Romans and pierced in his side by the Romans. And so we actually see in this bread the Trinity and God the Son crucified, and buried in a tomb. Wait, you don't know where it's hidden. In, in, the, in, the hidden, in the hidden part. 
And so we see Jesus in the bread. Now, on Passover, we eat bitter herbs to remember the Israelites' terrible life of sin in Egypt. And so we take a piece of the bread. I'm not looking forward to this part either. And we have to dip it in horseradish. To remember the slaves, bitter, and that's why we eat the bitter, is to remember the Israelites in Egypt. We dipped vegetables twice to remind us of two things. First, we dipped it in the parsley and the salt water to remind us of their tears. And secondly, we dip our vegetables in sweet cheroset, a sweet fruit and nut paste. You want to go to the next slide? To remember that even in the slavery, we had hope that God would save. Question number four, why do we recline? We recline or sit comfortably as free people while we have the Passover. In contrast to the first Passover where the Israelites were told to stand with their walking stick and their belts on and their shoes ready. And they had to stand at the table and eat very fast because they could go at any moment. But we are no longer in slavery. And we don't need to be ready to go at a moment's notice. But we can relax and we can recline because we are already free. The leader of the Passover meal would then tell the Passover story, covering at least three points. The matzah. The unleavened bread, or bread without yeast, the meror, the bitter herbs, and the Passover lamb. Well, thousands of years ago, the Israelites moved to the land of Egypt. And they lived there comfortably for many years until Pharaoh decided that he wanted to control them and he abused them and turned them into slaves. And eventually they started crying out to God to save them. And God heard their cries and sent a man named Moses to come rescue them. But Pharaoh did not want to let them go. They were his workforce. He had, he had pride and power and authority over them, and he did not want to set them free. And so when he refused to let the people go, God sent ten plagues to punish and persuade Pharaoh. And the final plague that he sent on the people of Egypt was the Passover was he would send the angel of death and he would kill the firstborn of every household. Human family or animal family. But God provided a way for the Israelites to be saved in that. He gave them this Passover meal and told them, what you need to do is you need to find a lamb, a perfect lamb without any default, without any blemish, and you need to take that lamb and you need to kill it, you need to roast it, and you need to take the blood from it, and you need to spread the blood on the doorpost, on your doorframe. And you need to go and you need to eat unleavened bread with the bitter herbs and this whole roasted lamb with the blood on your doorposts, ready to go. And when the angel of death sees the blood of the lamb on your house, he will pass over it. He will not visit your home, and you will be saved from this plague. Well, the Israelites did that, and the Egyptians didn't. And the angel of death visited Egypt, 
In every home, the firstborn child of the family was killed. And Pharaoh responded to that, responded to that by finally letting the people go. And then God commanded that the people would celebrate this meal every year for the rest of history. Now we move to the second cup. This is the cup of plagues. I will free you from being slaves to them. And what we're actually going to do with this one is we're not going to drink it right away. What we actually do is we take it, we dip our fingers in it, and we let the juice sprinkle on our plate as we remember the plagues. And we say them out three times. Blood, blood, blood. Frogs, frogs, frogs. Lice, lice, lice. Flies, flies, flies. Cattle disease, cattle disease, cattle disease. Boils, boils, boils. Hail, hail, hail. Locusts, locusts, locusts. Darkness, darkness, darkness. Death of the firstborn, death of the firstborn, death of the firstborn. And then the leader would drink. Now as we move on to right before the the meal would take place, Let's consider the Passover lamb. There's a lamb, bone. And when we consider the lamb of the Passover meal, we see Jesus in this lamb. That the lamb without blemish or defect, which pointed to Jesus without sin. That actually the lamb would be in the home for a week under examination. That Jesus was examined by Herod and by Pilate. And he was found without fault. We know that the lamb's bones were not permitted to be broken. And Jesus, when he was crucified, did not have any of his bones broken, which would have been normal practice in crucifixion. We know that the lamb was killed and his blood was spread on the doorpost, and Jesus was killed and his blood ran down the wood of the cross. The lamb saved the Israelites from the angel of death, and Jesus saved us from sin and death. Well, after that, they would then read Psalm 113 and 114, which we're not, we're not going to go into today. But they would read the whole Psalm 113 and 114 as a whole gathering. And then they would have their meal, which would include, um, just skip ahead to the picture of the meal there. At this point, they would eat the actual meal, which would include lamb or chicken, gefilte fish, which is basically like fish puree, Matzo ball soup, stuffing, potatoes, vegetables, fruit, sponge cake. It would be similar to our Thanksgiving meal. And then after they had their meal and everyone was full, the kids would go looking for the missing piece of bread, the afiko Coleman. And they would go and they would look and whoever found it would get a little prize. But they would go and they would find the bread that was hidden. They would go find Christ in the tomb. And so after Passover, at the end of the Passover meal, 
they found the bread that was hidden. They found Jesus that was hidden. What's really interesting is that this would have been the bread that Jesus would have used during his last supper when he gave communion and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat of this and remember me. They would then have had the third cup, the cup of redemption. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with the mighty acts of judgment. Because blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe who creates the fruit of the vine, then he would drink. And this is really interesting because this is the cup that Jesus would have used during communion, during his last supper, when he would have taken it and shared it with the people in the room, the disciples, said, this is my shed blood given for you, the cup of redemption. Then they would have all sung Psalm 118 together. And finally, they would have had one final cup, the cup of praise, which represents, I will take you as my own people. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Then they would all drink, and the cedar or the Passover meal would end. Now, I see Jesus in a lot of this meal. I hope you do too. And it kind of blows me away that this is something that was implemented well over a thousand years before Jesus. And the similarities and the signs are so obvious to me. This gives us, I think, three things we need to remember. Number one, simply looking at the Passover meal and looking at the life of Jesus, it becomes so incredibly obvious that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. For them to have practiced this, this would have been a central part of their tradition and their religion. And then to have Jesus fulfill this meal so perfectly. And it wasn't him asking the Romans to whip him. It wasn't him asking the Romans to spear him. These things happened to him. It proves to me that he is and fulfills the promises of being the Messiah. It tells us that we need Jesus to understand the Old Testament. That as you read the Old Testament, you need to understand that Jesus is the one who fulfills it, that makes sense of it, completes it, and that the Old Testament is incomplete without Christ. And quite often you will read the Old Testament and be like, what is this all about? It is incomplete without Jesus. And you need Jesus to help you understand what the Old Testament means. Finally, it means that we have all been slaves to sin. We may not have been slaves in Egypt, but we have been slaves of sin. And through the shed blood of the Lamb, the broken body of Christ, and His shed blood, we have been freed from slavery to sin and death. And so we see in the Old Testament Jesus. And we see in this Passover meal Jesus. 
And I want you to know that he is the Messiah, that he explains the Old Testament, and that because of him, you and I can be free from sin and death. And you no longer need to be slaves. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Thank you.